0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Debrief. This one is a special episode all about the recent events this past weekend around Bishop Strickland, uh, his removal, the reasons, and then maybe what is next. Let's bring Mike on and talk about all this. Hey Mike, you've been busy. You've been traveling to Chicago and back, and then stuff blows up over the weekend. You should. Oh my
1: goodness! What a weekend! You know, my my wife and I had our first weekend away since 2011. You know, we Mm -hmm. did the math. It's been it's been over, it's been, 12 years and one month since we the two of us got away without the kids, and the biggest news story in five years in the Catholic Church breaks on Saturday morning at 6 a.m. Um, and I was. In Central Time, I was in Chicago, so it was five a.m. Um, and I woke up to a ringing phone, and it was somebody sharing the news with me. So, um, yeah, it uh, you know of all the of all the days for that to happen, um, but I think it's a culmination of of a lot of events which we have mm-hmm. covered here on the debrief and which I have written about uh, since late to 2020, I think, in on where Peter is. Um, this has been an ongoing saga. Sadly, Bishop Strickland has continued along a particular progression and, um, I think made this fairly inevitable. Um, but there are other issues that are involved in this and, and, uh, you know, it's a much bigger story th- than, um, the social media personality, social media campaign he's created for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, It's a very important story about how he has governed the diocese of Tyler, and Mm -hmm. we can't lose sight of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think more will be revealed as as the days and weeks and months go on about what exactly happened in his service as a bishop during his time in Tyler and why that played a large role in his removal.
0: Fascinating. Okay, well, let's get into this then, friends. Welcome to The Debrief. It's our weekly show where we talk about news, questions, and controversies facing the Catholic Church. I'm Dominic DeSouza, the founder of Smart Catholics.
1: And I'm Mike Lewis, the editor and co-founder of the website Where Peter Is.
0: So for those who are watching on YouTube, I'm pulling up a couple of slides here. So on Saturday morning, this statement was released by the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Pope Francis has relieved the Most Reverend Joseph E. Strickland from the pastoral governance of the Diocese of Tyler. At the same time, the Holy Father has appointed the Most Reverend Joe S. Vazquez of Austin as the Apostolic Administrator, Sede Vicante, of the Diocese of Tyler. Later, the Metropolitan Archbishop of Galveston, Houston, Cardinal Daniel DiNardo, he released a statement discussing the Apostolic visitation of the Diocese of Tyler it says um, as a result of the visitation the recommendation was made to the holy father that the continuation in office of bishop strickland was not feasible after months of careful consideration by the dicastery for bishops and the holy father the decision was reached that the resignation of bishop strickland should be requested having been presented with that request on november 9th 2023 bishop strickland declined to resign from office Thereafter, on November 11th, 2023, the Holy Father removed Bishop Strickland from the office of Bishop of Tyler. So that's big news. Mike, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, you know, it, it's interesting. He, um, as Bishop Strickland said in the past, he was he would not resign voluntarily. Um, I have knowledge, personal knowledge of at least eight priests, I think closer to 10 um, of the diocese you know, of his own priests who stuck their neck out there and actually asked him to resign. Um, but he was very stubborn. He said he was not going to do it. So the, the Pope took a very, very rare step um, to remove him. Um, but once again, the fact that he's leaving, um, it, it really shouldn't surprise anyone. And looking on social media and, you know, looking at the various articles that I've read on different websites, I'm surprised that people are expressing shock or asking why it would happen. Um, This case was extraordinary. Um, The first of all, the rhetoric and the online behavior of uh, Bishop Strickland just went so far over the line. Um, Some bishops and priests have been just as outspoken as Strickland, but. When you think of people like cardinals Mueller and burke vegano bishop athanasius schneider well the first three of those are don't even have jobs in the church anymore um athanasius schneider he is a as we discussed he's an auxiliary bishop in kazakhstan he's in an archdiocese that has something like 17 parishes and and 10 priests so he's not and he's not the one in charge but this is a situation where the bishop actually has power and authority over people. And even though Tyler is a small diocese, at least in terms of the Catholic population, um, there are priests and people who are subject to his authority, to his to his jurisdiction. Um, and that creates an extraordinary circumstance. Like as, as we've discussed in the past, there's the uh, veritatis splendor, community, which was a a compound. It was supposedly a Catholic community uh, that was going to be set up in the diocese. Um, They had bought out a ranch and they were going to build homes. And apparently the project to some degree is still ongoing despite a lot of scandals. Um, He also brought in a couple of religious sisters that were highly controversial, one of whom uh, Sister Marie Ferriol, uh, she was a French uh, member of a french religious community that and she was uh expelled from religious life for being a, essentially an emotionally and, a, and spiritually abusive leader and um for refusing to accept any kind of correction um there's mother miriam of the uh uh mother miriam i forget her last name but she's a you know she has a daily radio show and she's mm-hmm. said all kinds of reactionary um and conspiratorial things. She's accused the Pope of heresy. She's questioned his legitimacy. And this order had been kicked out of a couple of other places, and they found themselves a home in Tyler. Um, I've heard from priests and parishioners of the diocese that it was become Tyler, the Tyler area, was becoming a magnet for uh, people who love and support Bishop Strickland. Uh, approximately a family a week was moving in. And he was trying to reshape the diocese in this image that I guess of what he has become, but really it's it's what he has been uh, either influenced or persuaded or brainwashed into, into believing and sharing and implementing. We've talked about uh, Deacon Keith Fournier, who moved from the Richmond diocese down to Tyler, um, he's widely understood to be the the brains behind the the Strickland phenomenon. He's probably the ghost writer of of Strickland's various various apostolic letters. I mean, this is this is something that uh, is extremely unique, especially when you compare him to other bishops, other bishops in the United States who maybe are critical of of Pope Francis or. Who are clearly working against Pope Francis's vision and goals? Maybe weren't taking the the synod as seriously as it needed to be taken. Maybe focusing on issues uh, that Pope Francis didn't prioritize. But Strickland had gone an extra an extra step. So, I mean, in a in a large sense, I'm relieved uh, to a large degree. I'm thinking, what took so long? On the other hand. Just last week, uh, a speech—the speech that um, Strickland gave at the uh, at the Rome Life Forum in Rome—the full transcript was released, and in it, he read a letter from someone he he described as a dear friend, who was very much in love with the Church and very much loved Pope Francis. Mm. And this friend called Pope Francis an usurper. He uh, said that he had pushed the true Pope from his throne. And he also uh, quoted Revelation 17, uh, verse 11, um, which is about the eighth beast. And it's a, it's a line that is commonly used, uh, it's a passage commonly used by Seventh day Adventists and other anti Catholic uh, Protestants to mm-hmm. describe the Antichrist. And so, and then he praises this letter. His mm-hmm. friend wrote. He, he said he needed to read it aloud, and then that, that everyone should listen to it. And then, and then he powers through this thing that says all these horrible things. Said that everybody uh, participating in the synod was a coward. Um, he said that the agenda that uh, Pope Francis was um, was promoting was of Satan. I mean, if that letter didn't, I, I doubt the decision was uh, taken. After that letter was read aloud, but I think it would have been made if it had been, uh, you know, if there was any question that that basically sealed the deal. Um, and yeah, so it's it's just shocking to me that um, yeah. people expressed surprise.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was. I, I remember I read that article when you posted it, posted about that. So let's keep going. Let's talk about uh, some of the reasons then uh, why he was removed. In his comments to the media following his dismissal, he told John Henry Weston of LifeSite News, quote, I stand by all the things that were listed as complaints against me. I know I didn't implement Traditiones Custodes because I can't starve out part of my flock. I do it the same way again. I feel very much at peace in the Lord and the truth that he died for. What does this statement suggest to you?
1: Well, it, it, it seems to me that even though a lot of people on social media are saying we're not being given reasons, uh, why Strickland was removed. It sounds to me that he was given possibly a very long list of reasons and that this is one of them. I had heard that he, um, did not enforce tradiciones custodes in any way, shape or form. Um, my understanding in fact was the opposite. That uh, seminarians were uh, being—it was being mandated that they learn the traditional Latin mass or the extraordinary form. Um, and my guess is that this was just one of the items, though. Based on what I've heard, there are stories of mismanagement. There are stories of um, around uh, 2016 or 2017 um, when he was—you know, four or five years after he became the bishop. He brought in some new people some experts that he trusted to overhaul the diocese and don't quote me on this because i don't know the the details but i'm sure they will be forthcoming but there was a very large layoff of the people who had worked in the chancery for decades um and a lot of them were very dedicated employees they were given no warning no thank you party no um you know chance to defend themselves some of them uh sued the diocese and won, I believe, a hefty settlement. So that impacted the the financial um, problems of the diocese even more. Um, according to Father Timothy Kelly, whose uh, open letter or or his official statement on the removal of Bishop Strickland, um, there were uh, then some of the people who were brought in to overhaul the diocese and and mandated this. Some of them were fired, and the reason that he gave was because Bishop Strickland became threatened by them as well. Um, I mean, there's more, there's, sure, I'm I'm sure there's more on the list on top of, uh, on top of the administrative things. There are obviously the public things, the derogatory statements he made against the Pope. Um, He accused the Pope of having a program of undermining the deposit of faith in a tweet. Um, He shared a video uh, in which he described the Pope, in which Michael Matt, the person in the video, uh, described the Pope as a diabolically disoriented
0: clown. That, that um, blows me away every time.
1: And and then on his radio show the next week after he had been criticized for it, he said, I didn't hear anything that wasn't true. Um, he uh, A year or two ago, he signed uh, an open letter along with some other anti-Francis people accusing uh, the Pope of teaching heresy in um, Desiderio Desideravi, the uh, apostolic letter on the liturgy by Pope Francis. And, and we've published two articles debunking that at where Peter is. It was basically a poor reading comprehension and a leap to a conclusion that that made them think that it was heretical when they were referring to the wrong scripture passage and, and making leaps of logic that are to- totally incomprehensible. Um, signing that along with him was Deacon keith Fournier um I don't think this guy's been a good influence on him because uh he's become uh, Strickland has become more and more extreme uh, as as every month passed um there was um there was bad morale among the clergy a lot of clergy had left the diocese and I think his celebrity status didn't help him I would say that there are a lot of incompetent bishops out there, is my guess. Some I've heard some of them described as totally disorganized, totally out of totally out of touch, mm-hmm. um, don't know how to manage, bullies. But when you accuse the pope of heresy and you say publicly and you say that he has a program of undermining the deposit of faith, there's just no. Um, you're going to get noticed by Rome and they're going to take a close look at you. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's just what happens.
0: So, yeah. Speaking of the celebrity status, then looking forward, uh, I mean, there's been a wide range of responses to his removal. Do you have any sense of what he's going to do next? And then what his supporters are going to do next?
1: Well, I, I know for a fact that he is in Baltimore Right now, for the the bishops' meeting, um, the first day is closed door meeting. is a closed door meeting. Um, since he's not a diocesan bishop anymore, I don't think he's technically a member of the bishops' conference. Now, I know emeritus bishops are invited to attend and they take part in the public sessions, but I I don't know the the bylaws. But um, certainly, that would be pretty awkward. I would think if if I was in that situation, I mean, I got laid off from the USCCB seven years ago and I haven't set foot in, in in one of those meetings, um, Mm -hmm. just anticipating it. Um, so I'm, I'm surprised that he would show his face, you know, a day or two after he, he got relieved of, of ministry. Um, I know that there are protests that are planned. There are some in Tyler. He tweeted out that he hopes that the, um, the protests are peaceful and and that people are well-behaved. Um, and then, as I said, m- many people are asking, like they're saying that this happened for no reason, or, I mean, the, the automatic comeback is why hasn't Pope Francis done anything about the German bishops or why hasn't he done anything about Father James Martin? But I think there's something significant in directing your dissent and your uh lack of communion mm-hmm. and and making the pope at the center of your complaint i mean mm-hmm. father martin does has li- certain lines that he doesn't cross for one thing and he um and he doesn't openly defy church teaching but he also speaks favorably of the pope he doesn't undermine the pope he doesn't say that the pope is a diabolically disoriented clown um, and I don't think the German bishops are doing that either. Um, plus with the German bishops, it's a college of bishops that's, um, I mean, it's a situation that's definitely very serious and Pope Francis has complained uh, or or has criticized them to a large degree. Uh, but it's a matter of reigning in a whole conference rather than, um, I mean, dealing with one bishop of a small diocese who is causing a, a ruckus in Catholic media—that's mm-hmm. um, that's something that needs to be nipped in the bud, especially since he has pastoral authority over a diocese in in Germany. Who's he going to appoint to replace these bishops? I mean, it's a—I I think that that's a, a more of a slow burning situation, but it's it needs to be handled in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, one of the things that that I tweeted and I alluded to earlier is that Strickland has gone so far over the line mm-hmm. um, that he's dragged some of his supporters into the idea of, you know, if you describe the Pope as an agent of evil, they're like, oh, well, that's just charitable criticism. Or he's been um, associating himself a lot with with Michael Matt of The Remnant, um, who The Remnant newspaper, we discussed it last week. It's It was the... You know, it was the same family that founded the Wanderer, and this was this was the part of the family that broke off and started their own paper because they opposed Vatican II and they supported Lefebvre and they didn't like the liturgical changes. So this this was the radical one, you know. And mm-hmm. and he was Bishop X at the Catholic Identity Conference in Pittsburgh uh, a couple of weeks or back in September, and you know, and he's giving this speech at the Rome Life Forum and he's sitting right next to Michael Matt. I mean, this is a really kind of a a, a surprising um association to say the least for a mm-hmm. mainstream Catholic bishop. Um mm-hmm. and then finally when he's reading this letter from this friend and he's reading clearly set of a contest rhetoric.
0: So this, I got to ask, what's the point of him owning the letter, reading it as himself and instead attributing it to this other friend? Who's apparently never going to be named, like it just seems like such an immaterial point. Is he trying to
1: well, afford himself
0: I, a degree of distance from the message, even though he went ahead and endorsed it
1: wholeheartedly? I think I think that there is an attempt to do some plausible deniability there. Um, but the fact that he went there at all right. is is like there are people who are who are parsing it, and somebody like I, I tweeted and I made clear that a speech in which the pope was described as a usurper i didn't write and consciously did not write that strickland called him because he was reading a letter and it wasn't necessary and at a certain point after the the quote from revelation which apparently he didn't recognize he said um i'm not very smart someone might have to explain that one to me but it, it is possible he just i mean the most charitable interpretation i can give is that he he skimmed it? It was from somebody he trusted, somebody he thought was really smart and a good friend, and didn't read it closely and didn't see the set, didn't pick up on the set of vacantism, and didn't have much planned for his talk. And so he decided to read this letter, and then got to those lines, and interjected maybe one question. But afterwards, he he praised the letter. He said it was challenging. He said that you know we, we it was for all of us. For all of our benefit, even though it was originally just sent to him. Um, I also well, you know, the thing is, one of the things I I I sort of sensed, except he maybe didn't anticipate, was when he said that he rejected the Pope's program of undermining the deposit of faith, as opposed to saying Pope Francis is undermining the but the thing is, those those hairs are so thin. Mm-hmm. The fact that you're yeah. going to advertise it, the fact that you just said the program of, or, you know, my friend's letter, doesn't exonerate him from the fact that he is promoting these messages mm-hmm. or that he's promoting the video, um, yeah. you know, sharing the video that causes the, that calls the Pope a diabolically disoriented clown. It, so, given it's all these receipts, yeah.
0: yeah, is schism a real possibility.
1: Well, it's, it's something I've been, I've been, and I guess about. for who
0: the question that might be for who? who, who might he take with him or, well,
1: you know, I, there, there is a very, uh, passionate group of defenders. Um, there are people who have essentially already put themselves in schism. Um, some of the leaders of the canceled priest movement, um, people like father James Altman, um, Vigano has already, for all, you know, for all intents and purposes, has has removed himself from the communion of the Catholic Church. Um, some people have theorized that maybe he'll just decide to move to the, you know, he's a local boy, he's from East Texas. he's um, Is he going to just move into the Veritatis Splendor community and start his, you know, start his movement there? Um there are plenty of people who um when we talk about John Henry Weston and when we talk about some of the um the people like uh Timothy Flanders of 1 Peter Five, um Taylor Marshall, um his his uh radio co-host Terry Barber, um, people like Jesse Romero, a lot of these people that are on the, the forest fringes of um extreme um Radical traditionalism, people like Peter Kwasniewski, they've all sort of alluded to Sterevacantism, but haven't taken that final step, mm-hmm. except for Altman. And I wonder if there's enough money, there's enough motive behind it. And if there is, if people are actually going to to follow him. Um, one of the things that I've sort of felt is that a lot of people over the past six or seven years have flirted with sedevacantism um mm-hmm. some have jumped all the way but there have been a lot of people who have been dabbling in the idea that benedict's res- resignation was was illegal or that francis has excluded himself from the papacy um because he's uttered heresy um but i feel like for a lot of people there is a um a fear of, of reprisal a fear of um, the consequences if you're a sitting diocesan bishop or if you're a seminary professor or if you are uh, a parish priest in a diocese that has a pair, you know it could be very costly to dive feet first into a schismatic movement you lose a lot of security um and if you're a lay person and you work for the church like a professor or like a chancery worker um mm-hmm or a Catholic radio station or something like that, becoming Sede Vicontis could threaten your career. So then, but the thing is if I've always sensed if they were able to get a big enough group together and all agreed to make the leap at the same time,
0: Hmm. it
1: might happen. So we'll see. I I don't, um, I know that the the last serious attempt, well, supposedly serious attempt at it was a, was a, um, open letter in 2019, I believe, signed by Aidan Nichols and John Rist and Peter Kwasniewski. And they only had like 19 names. The only one that was even vaguely familiar to mainstream Catholics at the time was Father Aiden Nichols, who's a he's a famous author and a Dominican priest. They couldn't get bishops to sign on with them. They couldn't even get the SSPX bishops to sign on with them because basically what they were saying was that Pope Francis had excluded himself from the papacy, had self-abdicated, and they were writing to the bishops to formally declare his removal. Um, so who knows if this, if this is going to work, obviously the rhetoric has gotten more extreme,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but, uh, there's a good question of, of how strong their resolve is, um, Pope Francis isn't getting any younger. Um, maybe some of them think that they, they can, maybe some of them will not do it because they think they can just wait it out for a couple of more years and see what the next Pope does.
0: Well, either way, this show won't be out of a job because they won't keep quiet about it. Um, social media has been a real thing for, for people wanting to, yeah, well band together for better or for ill. So That's why I'm glad to have a chat with you once a week. What's going on? What did I miss over the weekend? So, Mike, thanks for the debrief. Um, Links to all things are going to be in the description. Friends, if you'd like to check that out, uh, Conversation is brought to you from smartcatholics.com. It's the free online community for millennials, creators, and learners. Join our private Where Peter Is group to ask questions, share insights,
1: and suggest topics for next time. And visit wherepeteris.com to read articles, commentaries, and spiritual reflections for and by faithful Catholics who support the mission and vision of Pope Francis. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode.
0: Please support where Peter is on Patreon so that Mike can continue bringing you this show. And thanks for joining us when it comes to news and controversies in the Catholic Church. Stay curious, informed, and engaged.
1: God bless. bless.